Welcome to the Double Screw Podcast. I'm Chris Wagner. My guest today is Nathaniel Benjamin. He is a printmaker. He does other forms of art too. And he's a director at Like a Press. Hey, Nathaniel. <laughs> hey, Chris. I, well, the reason we're cracking up here is because radio is made by humans and humans are awkward. And I completely biffed the part of the interview where you say, hello, welcome to the studio four or five times before I got those simple words out of my mouth. But, you know, the show must go on, and Nathaniel was quite gracious as I momentarily forgot how to pronounce most of the words in the English language for a moment. Wow, I've never done this badly once in my life. Oh, you're good. Okay. I want to start by painting a picture of your artwork for anyone who hasn't seen it yet. How do you describe to people what it actually looks like? Probably kind of grotesque, sort of like lowbrow. I don't know. That's like a genre that I feel like it fits into. Usually it's yeah, pretty definitely. black and white with like the printmaking. But mm -hmm. then I also paint murals. And with those, I go kind of with the same style. But then paint is a lot easier to work with color. So they get really colorful and vibrant, sometimes neon and much more bright, but always kind of, I don't know, like drippy or psychedelic also is a good word. Yeah. And even when they're bright in color, they're, they're dark in theme, aren't they? Yeah. A yeah. lot of the times. Totally. Okay. I'm going to ask you to play art history professor for a minute mm -hmm. and explain the idea of memento mori and what that is in art and how it factors into your own work. Okay, almost like a test, all right. Yeah, it's uh, like a test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll give you at least my take on it. Memento mori just means like, what is it, object of death or something? Like, reminder of death? Yeah, I think yeah. it's a reminder of death, literally, yeah. So it's the represent, representing objects that remind us of death, basically, is the simplistic form of it. But at least the way that I use it in a lot of my art is, I mean, art in general, I think, is a way to contemplate ourselves through something that we're looking at, right? And by placing something that reminds us of death, it gets us to contemplate how we relate to that, I guess, which is something that we, in our day-to-day -day lives, often just try to avoid because it slows us down, you know? You can't always be thinking about the fact that you're going to die or else you won't be able to do anything. But I think it's also important to keep it in mind because we are finite beings. Did you start out with this collection of themes around sort of death and darkness that you work with now when you first started making art? Or did you take some, some path into these ideas? Hmm. I don't even know if I've thought about it. I mean, I've done art my whole life. It wasn't always about death. I don't, and also my art's just not about solely death. Right? Yeah, yeah, you so, got other things going on. Yeah. We don't want to pigeonhole you too hard. I don't know. I think since I got serious about art, it has probably been a recurring theme. Like I use a lot of imagery around like crows are often recurring. There's a lot of flies, candles. I'm always drawn to. Skulls I try to avoid sometimes because they do. I don't know. It's a go-to. Like a a too, too specific or you mean like too many people well, are using it? Well, it gets repetitive, I think, sometimes. And they totally have their place and I still use them sometimes. So, uh, But trying to di like diversify the imagery that I'm using in order to communicate more nuanced messages, I guess. One thing that is really interesting to me about your work is how you seem to dip into different time periods. And it looks like you're inspired by a lot of different moments in the history of one thing, in the history of grotesque imagery. And you draw things and you print things like severed limbs and heads. And it looks like you're paying homage to everyone from Goya to R. Crumb. 
Yeah, I mean, I draw a lot of inspiration from, I mean, it kind of came out of like printmaking history, but like, what is it, medical illustrations and anatomical illustrations. That's also like my mom is a nurse and she was going to school when I was a kid. So she had all these books that had like, there was this one specific book that was a encyclopedia, I guess, of different like medical abnormalities. So I would like look through these things and see all these like really interesting pictures and that stuck with me to some extent and I think that has informed my subject matter. I was wondering what influences you feed into your own head, what kind of music and books and imagery you consume and that's that makes a lot of sense that that's what you were looking at as a kid. Mm -hmm. What else do you like to consume yourself? What what kind of images or, or artwork or music? Let's see I do a lot of specifically printmakers who are muralists, that interests me a lot. As far as like what I'm looking on on Instagram and stuff like that. For music, I mean, I listen to a lot of different kinds of stuff. It kind of depends on what I'm doing. Like, I'll listen to Vaporwave a lot of the time, which is like electronic music, more ambient. And then other times I'll listen to like black metal or like doom metal. And it kind of like, I feel like what you're listening to informs how you're using your body because it, it, when you're making artwork a lot of times it is kind of a dance at least for me it's like with the, if I'm carving wood then I'm using the knife at, at a rhythm right so it informs that and like B BPMs kind of play into the way it appears I think at least I believe that and maybe it's not true but it feels like it is so that's like the music and then for like movies and stuff like that I'm way into horror body horror specifically is really interesting I don't know, a lot of like cheesy 80s movies that, <laughs> where they were like still doing physical special effects with like physical matter instead of doing CGI. Do you have a favorite or two to recommend? Tetsuo the Iron Man is kind of my go-to. Named my dog after that movie. So it's a uh, <laughs> big impact. But um, it's just very creative in a lot of different ways about how they used film and like what kind of makeup they did and everything. And it's really just weird. Akira, which is an anime also has a character named Tetsuo in it. That one's really amazing. I just watched an anime called Serial Experiments Lane that was also really great. I don't know, those are some recent things. This is a good list of stuff I need to check out. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. One thing I wanted to ask you about is uh, you've written about this idea of playing with on-screen imagery and in-real-life imagery. In some ways, when I look at your work, it seems like you're partially a traditionalist and partially interested in being really contemporary. Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah, I think so. I wondered what, what are your, your most recent thoughts about the way the past and the present work together or about the way that high tech and low tech work together? How do they go together or play off each other for you? Well, I mean, I think the way we interact with screens has significantly shifted our lives and our brains, right? And I think we all can feel that. Like how that plays into older influences, I guess. Is that what you're asking? I guess the thing, the question is like, when I look at your work, I see a lot of traditionalism and I see a lot of contemporary mm -hmm. and I, and you you make it look like all these things belong together, like they're not in tension or in conflict with each other. Mm -hmm. totally. I guess that's what I'm asking you to, to respond to. The way that I'm thinking about my artwork now, at least, is that I'm doing printmaking, right, which is at its root. Uh, originated as like the ability to create multiple images off of one thing so like before that it was like you make one thing and that's all that exists but then printmaking was invented then you could make one object to produce multiple images which 
then can be passed out to a whole bunch of people. So then multiple people are experiencing the same thing at potentially the same time, right? Which is, I feel like, definitely a breakthrough in the way we experience the world. And then I feel like if you take that exponentially through history, that is magnified and all of a sudden now we have these machines where we can experience anything at least the illusion of everything on our phones, like they're in our pocket all the time. We have access to pretty much whatever image or experience we want. So that's a new capability that is, I think, at least the way I'm thinking about it, it's all in the same line of thought, basically. So I think there is a direct connection between printmaking and technology, and I try to play around with that through the prints that I make because there is a whole printmaking history and like, it comes down really also because I love using my hands. Like I don't want to spend my time on a screen too much and I have a tablet and I draw on it and it's just not the same. So I really appreciate interacting with materials and printmaking enables me to do that. But then I want to use those prints to address things that are relevant today and try to like give sort of a social critique of what we are experiencing and kind of give a new perspective on what is going on right now. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you like the idea of people looking at your work on a screen, like having fans who only see you on Instagram or something, or do you wish they were looking at it in real life? It's tough for me because I think like uh, the way we consume images has changed since having digital screens all the time around us, where on some level it doesn't really matter because we don't consider those details. Where like if you're in front of a print on paper, you are able to get really close and you can really see like the actual little chunks of ink that are making up the print, right? But then on a screen, all of that is lost. But to some extent, I don't know if people care about that so much. Like that's not necessarily why you're looking at the art. I think it does create a different tangible experience for the person looking, but I don't know. It's something that I struggle with because it is like the way that I've formulated at least my artist statements now is kind of based around this idea that the print is leading into talking about technology and there is a direct connection there but on the day-to-day like I don't know if that really matters so it's kind of this thing that I struggle with personally about like what what is the difference in that interaction yeah yeah and it's it's interesting how different types of work either translate to screen or don't Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's surprising whether they do or not definitely yeah I want to talk about printmaking you work in a few different mediums and printmaking is one of your main ones And over the last few years, you've put a lot of work into making sure that people in Reno have access to printmaking at Leica Press. Can you tell us the story of how you got enamored with printmaking and also how you and your colleagues have gone about creating access to printmaking? Yeah, totally. I mean, originally I came to Reno to study forestry and then I got into sign painting, mostly doing chalk signs. And then that started to take my attention away from going to school. Chuck so signs like like menus and Trader yep. Joe's and stuff? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So I was doing that for a few local businesses. And so that started taking my attention away from school because I was like kind of losing focus on forestry. And I ended up taking some art classes. And I've always done art. And I used to study graphic design in Arizona before this. So I had kind of a already wanted to do create creative uh, career but didn't know how to make it happen so then i ended up taking a printmaking class at unr and studied under Unkang ko 
And then once I found that I really enjoyed that, the different processes we learned, then I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to go out full on, do this. I don't care if it pays off or not. Like, this is what I'm interested in, so I should follow it. And then since then, uh, I met a bunch of people in that program who were also studying printmaking. And then once we all graduated, we didn't really have a space to work because it's so de- printmaking is dependent on having a press to a large extent, and they're very expensive and they take a lot of space. We wanted to set up a space where not only we could work, but where people in the community could also come and produce their prints because there wasn't anything that existed for that outside of UNR and like a few, like TMCC has a press, but you have to be a student there in order to use their equipment. So, yeah, we, the Holland Project helped us to get a space for it. And we were sharing it with KWNK at the time. What we share in common is just like giving a creative voice to people who don't have access to it necessarily, or like putting something out that's unique, right? And printmaking falls right in line with that. So it was a good pairing for the radio station and us. I've been there for four years. If anybody's interested in making prints, we teach workshops and uh, have all the equipment and supplies to do different printmaking techniques. Congrats on keeping it going. That's no easy task is it no i mean it was it's there's been some i mean covid's been weird i can say that we kind of shut down almost for a while we still had some money to pay the bills so we made it through and i think we're going on to like a 2.0 kind of in a new evolved form after covid i know you had some pretty big news coming up and related to this big news a giant fundraiser yeah so we're starting a fundraiser well, we're part of a, a bigger fundraiser that is a collaboration between K-Wink, Holland Project, and ourselves. And basically the motivation is that we're moving into this new space where also KWNK is where we are right now. Right here, you'll be feet, Lyco Press will be feet away from where we're sitting right now. Totally. Right? Yeah. Right next door to the Holland Project. And I think it'll enable a lot of cool collaborations to happen among all of us. Yeah, we're going to be moving in December, basically. And hopefully we won't have to shut down for longer than a week. It's going to be kind of hectic to move everything, but we'll get it into the new space and organize it and start up a full-on new setup, full print shop. I'm really excited about it. Do you have workshops and events scheduled yet at the new location? I mean, hopefully we'll be able to do a screen printing workshop maybe the third week of December. That's the goal. If people want to learn more about like a press or if they want to follow it or see what some of the artwork coming out of the press looks like, how can they keep up with you? We are on Instagram at like a press. It's L-A-I-K-A-P-R-E-S-S. Our website is likeapress.org. We post on the Instagram, whatever is coming up. And we also keep a list of workshops that are coming up and events that we do on our website. And you're named after Laika the Russian space dog, right? Yeah, that's correct. Your logo is very cool. It's it's a drawing of Laika the Russian space dog. <laughs> yeah, we love Laika. I want to let people know more about your own work too. Where can people see your personal artwork and where can they purchase it? There's some murals around town publicly available to look at for everybody. Other than that, there is, let's see, I'm working on a bunch of like clothing prints right now for the High Desert Art and Craft Fair. That's going to be at the Holland Project on December 4th and 5th. I'll be there on that Saturday specifically, selling all my stuff. I'm going to have all my prints available, a lot of new apparel. So that's what I'm working on right now, hats and such things. If you want to are interested in purchasing any of it, that would be a great opportunity. 
but otherwise i do if you go to my instagram i've got a link to an online shop there it's just nathaniel.benjamin do you have any of your own exhibitions or events coming up too i do let's see in i think march is when it's actually going to happen i'm going to start working on a new body of work in january and february and it'll be kind of weird i'm hoping to explore some new ground with doing sort of sculptural work i've been collecting these boom boxes and walkman and like analog tvs that most of them work i gotta get some of them fixed but i want to basically make them i don't know like add all this fleshy texture to them make the like speakers mouths you know like create a body that is also an operable machine it's kind of a weird idea, but I did this mural on Dead Ringer, a bar in town on 4th Street. That's a boombox that has exactly what I just said, basically. It's super weird, but I really enjoyed it, and I wanted to dive more into that process and not just keep it as a 2D thing, but actually make it just, why not, like, paint a boombox to be super weird? Like, I don't see any reason not to, you know? I can't wait to see your 3D stuff. I can see it translating really well. Yeah, your kind of animation-looking work looking really cool as a sculpture i think so i'm excited totally it'll be a lot of fun thanks for coming into the studio and it was great to catch up with your work totally i appreciate the invite stupid covid nobody's caught up with anybody (laughs) (laughs) no it's tough you've been listening to episode 16 of the double scoop podcast with nathaniel benjamin reno artist and director of leica press the community printmaking studio He'll be one of many artists whose work you can purchase at the High Desert Craft Fair, the Holland Project's holiday art sale, on December 4th and 5th. The Double Scoop podcast is recorded at KWNK 97.7 FM Reno's Community Radio. Our sound engineer is Nico Wagner. Our theme music is by Greg Gilmore. It's from his song, Who Am I? This episode received support from the Nevada Arts Council and the National Endowment for the Arts. You can listen to the Double Scoop podcast on KWNK Sunday mornings at 8. You can also listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about the people, places, and events of the Nevada art scene, visit doublescoop.art. I'm Chris Wagner. Thanks for listening. Thank you.